0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the Norwood Noise Podcast. Myself, Evan Schibble, alongside Graham Griffith. It is Tuesday, the 15th of February, is the day after Lover's Day. Um, Wrapping up this nice evening. Good evening, college basketball, a busy one at that. Um, But, yeah, we'll get started uh, on the weekend or the previous week first, then we'll get into this weekend. But first, Graham, how are you, sir?
1: I'm doing very well. Um, You know, we're inching closer to the end of the season, and right when... You know, these top teams and middle of the table teams want to, you know, cement themselves. I've had a few upsets around um, the top 25, so I'm excited to get into these games, kind of touch on them, because now these teams that you thought you could count out are kind of scraw- like crawling their way back in with some big wins, uh, defending home court or even traveling on the road. So I'm excited to hop in real quick.
0: Absolutely, and a good example that will start right away last Wednesday, SMU the Ponies, Pony Express, uh, knocking off number six, Houston, eighty five, eighty three, outscoring the Cougars 45-32 in the second half. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot to take from this game. I think obviously Houston, um, you know, a tough loss, but nothing that's going to kill their resume. SMU a good team, 17-5, and still kind of being in that conversation, especially with the big win there against Houston uh, for – um, an at-large bid if, obviously, um, things go as planned and Houston takes care of things in the American tournament. Um, another notable upset from Wednesday night, Oklahoma destroyed Texas Tech 70-55 to uh, in Lloyd Noble Center. Interesting one, I think a little surprising to a lot of people, but we'll see how that shakes out. Rutgers knocks off Ohio State uh, at Rutgers, 66-64. Good win for the Scarlet Knights, and again, they're another one of those teams still kind of hanging around the conversation. Graham, anything to take from those Wednesday games?
1: Uh, I loved the SMU game. I got to see the end of it. Um, after the game, electric se- uh, sequence, uh, you know, court storming. I mean, SMU, when you're kinda like that middle-of-the-table team and you're in a smaller conference where you don't have a lot of wins to show for it, when you can defend home court and have a big win over Houston, that sets them up for the rest of the season. And now they've cemented themselves to be on bubble watch, um, getting at-large bid. I think Oklahoma was a team that uh, a lot of people were starting to count out after not handling business in the Big 12 at all. Uh, going into this game, they were three and seven. I think that this game may be enough for momentum swing. I don't think that that puts them in the conversation quite yet, um, but I really do love Oklahoma's teams. or Hugh a huge fan of Tanner Groves, and I think Porter Moses is an unbelievable coach. I didn't think Oklahoma would be the team, uh, that would be a tournament team this year, but I mean, this is a big win for them. I also love Rutgers kind of piecing it together. I think that they're gonna have one of the most confusing resumes come tournament time with all these ranked wins, defending home court, going on the road, but then you have like losses uh, when Lafayette comes to town. So, be interested to see what uh, the committee thinks of Rutgers come tournament time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right now, uh, just going off of a uh, quick reference to Joe Lunari's bracketology on ESPN.com, of course, um, those couple teams. SMU's a lock. He has them as an auto qualifier, which I think is an interesting one. Um, Oklahoma's in that last four buys section, so right on the bubble there. Um, but as of now, comfortably in. And then Rutgers is on that next four out uh, slot. So, again, interesting to see how all those teams uh, close their season. Move forward to Thursday, um, I was kind of hoping, not hoping, but I was expecting uh, – a more low-key Thursday night. And, of course, Michigan has to go and upset Purdue. 82-58, um, to 58, like, wasn't even close. Um, again, Michigan, I think one of those teams that probably on the outside looking in of the bubble, but I would say, like I've said um, for the last couple of weeks, I do think Michigan's one of those teams that could get hot, uh, go win that Big Ten tournament, and be a <sighs> bid stealer. So just something to keep an eye on there. Tough loss for Purdue. Um, can't suffer ones like that, at least that badly on the road. Looking forward to Saturday. Uh, busy Saturday in hoops, uh, but not as, I don't know, I, I it was a little underwhelming, slightly, uh, to some extent. No no crazy games. Uh, a couple uh, results worth noting. Um, we'll start from the top. Kansas sneaks away despite some bad uh, free throw shooting down the stretch, winning 71-69 over Oklahoma at home. Auburn destroys Texas A&M. Gonzaga rolls St. Mary's. Arizona blows the doors off Washington. No surprise there. Um, Kentucky takes care of business against Florida. Um, Duke beats Boston College by 11. Texas Tech takes care of business against TCU. Baylor handles Texas. Providence in overtime sneaks past DePaul. Uh, Villanova takes care of Seton Hall. Ohio State pretty handle uh, pretty well handles Michigan. Michigan State over Indiana um, and Tennessee over Vanderbilt. Those were the big the big ones. And then going back through some of the upsets, things worth noting as well. Butler, um, beaten Marquette by six in Hinkle Fieldhouse. Definitely an interesting one to note there. Um, Rutgers over Wisconsin at the Kohl Center uh, in Madison. Uh, solid eight-point win there for Rutgers. Again, another reason to kind of put them in that conversation um, of that bubble talk. USC at home, three-point win over Crosstown Rivals UCLA. So good for them and a good win for that USC resume, uh, moving them to 21-4 and four after that game. And then Memphis uh, beating Houston by ten. So again, another another so two loss week for Houston. A tough one at that. Um, I don't think anyone's really that surprised. Again, Memphis been one of those really volatile teams this year. Um, outscoring the Cougars forty one to twenty eight in the second half for that ten point win. But again, uh, I think Memphis got to put together quite a few wins here um, to really cement their spot in that uh, NCAA tournament. But as of now, uh, they are on that first four out. Um, spot. So again, they're going to be right around that bubble talk. But again, we'll see how highly um, the committee holds some of the some of their big wins. Graham, anything to add from Saturday? Uh,
1: not a whole lot. Um, I was disappointed that St. Mary's didn't put up a better fight against Gonzaga. Um, you know, that's usually the game that Gonzaga circles, you know, to cement themselves because they usually only have one two um, teams that. You know the committee can look at when they play a top quality team. Gonzaga definitely took advantage of their moment, St. Mary's did not. Um, Memphis going on the road to beat Houston's a big game um, for Memphis because they really needed a win to just be in the conversation. I feel like with this team of um, a lot of talent, not a lot of cohesion, they needed to hear their name being called, and I think now that some of these uh, you know, predictions for the field of 68, having Memphis in conversations for on the bubble or even sneaking in uh, helps them out a lot. Now that they have something to back the rest of their season on that not all hope is lost, I think Memphis could sneak together a few wins, um, but I don't really trust them in a conference tournament. Uh, I loved Oklahoma putting up a fight against Kansas. Um, right after that win, I was hoping that you know, level the playing field in the Big 12 a little bit. Kansas would have dropped to three losses. Oklahoma sneaking back in the win column a little bit, but unable to do it. Um, I loved Baylor just manhandling Texas. Uh, DePaul putting up a fight. The UCLA uh, USC game was was a great awesome. Game. That was I awesome. I loved that back and forth scoring from uh, Mobley, Campbell, Peterson, Juzang. I a lot of electric players. I think those are two teams come tournament time, that I would not want to play oh, um, as no. a college ball coach, just because of how many electric scores both teams have. Rutgers piecing together another big win. Um, and another uh, game that I wanted to talk about is uh, Murray State, Moorhead State. Yep. Um, Murray State is now 14-0 and in their conference. They play the second-best team in the OVC in Moorhead State. Um, you Xavier fans might have remembered the Moorhead State game that, you know, they, they came to play a little bit. I think Xavier eventually took over just because we're just mm-hmm. the superior team. But well, Murray State has something scary brewing um, all the way in Murray, Kentucky, with three really good scores and Justice Hill, Tevin Brown, K.J. Williams. I mean, all three of those guys can give you 25-plus any given night. I think that's a team that um, – Now that they're ranked and they've made a little bit more noise, people are going to want to circle them, pencil them in in their brackets. But uh, even with, you know, people knowing about them, I still think that they're an underrated sleeper team come tournament.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, As of right now, they're penciled in as a 10 seed uh, in Lenardi's bracket Mm -hmm. and looking at that. Uh, I would love to see a second round matchup between them, and uh, as it's penciled in here, a two-seeded Duke or any of those top teams there um, in that second round. And as a Kansas fan, uh, I wouldn't want to play a Murray State in the second round uh, by any means. So definitely worth noting and uh, and interesting to see there. Um, absolutely, we'll be we'll be excited to see what they can bring. I think they're I think they're almost like a loyal Chicago last year where. This is a really good team coming out of a smaller conference that you know you should be scared of come mm-hmm. come tournament time because they're probably going to get misseeded. Unfortunately, Sunday was ho hum. Obviously, Super Bowl going on. Purdue snuck away, almost gave one away to Maryland, um, but snuck away with a one point win. But about other than that, nothing too crazy on Sunday. Monday, uh, Bill Self continues to just just absolutely handle teams on Big Monday. He's now thirty five and zero at home on Big Monday. Seventy-six, sixty-two. Kansas wins in might I add maybe the ugliest uniforms I've ever seen Kansas put on the floor. Um, they looked like some YMCA gym shorts that they threw together with like a white tank top. I think it was Adidas's uh, quote reverse retro uh, series. Um, they were just white and gray. They were hideous. Um, no, no, no Adidas slander. Uh, Adidas brings a lot of really great things to the table. I just didn't personally care for those. Um, <laughs> But anyways, moving swiftly onward to tonight's matchups. Um, a couple are still finishing up right now. Um, a couple big ones worth noting, but we'll get to those in just a second. Results that are completed, though. Texas sneaking away from Oklahoma in overtime. Would have been a big one uh, in Lloyd Noble Center for Oklahoma to stay in that tournament conversation, but I think a tough loss. And I don't want to say nail in the coffin just yet, but a really, really tough loss there for that Oklahoma team. Michigan State loses on the road to Penn State, 62-58 to the Nittany Lions. Uh, that's a terrible loss for Michigan State as Penn State is 10-12 and uh, even after that win. So, really bad loss for them. Um, good win for Penn State, I guess, you know, getting them ready for the, what is it, the CBI, who's what's below the NIT, College oh, Basketball Invitational. Yeah, but we'll see uh, what happens there for the Nittany Lions. But, again, Michigan State, really bad loss on the road, and they've been skidding as of recent. Um, Ohio State takes care I mean uh, more than takes care of business destroys Minnesota 70-45 to 45. Duke uh, takes care of business despite losing uh, Coach K at halftime he said he was not feeling well left uh, about halfway through the second half John Shire got a little, little, uh, little, you know, a little preview as to what next year is going to look like he got to take over there for the second half Top 10 matchup in the Big East tonight Villanova handling Providence uh, in the dunk 89-84 of course Colin Gillespie came to play with 33 points for the, for the Wildcats No surprise there. I think Villanova reminding everyone that they are the team to beat in the Big East. No one really surprised about that one. Uh, Arkansas takes care of business over Missouri. And then a couple ones worth noting that are finishing up here right now. Tennessee's up 17 on Kentucky right now, 68-51 with 430 to go. So it looks like Tennessee's going to wrap up a win there. Knock on wood uh, just in case anything crazy happens. But, again, Tennessee, that would be a really, really big win and a really tough loss for Kentucky on the road. Indiana up two with three minutes to go uh, over number 15 ranked Wisconsin. We'll keep an eye on that one. We'll let you know how that one goes as the pod goes along. And then a sneaky one, and it looks like this might get out of hand here, but New Mexico, the Lobos, 10 and 14, down in the pit. They're up six (laughs) on number 21, or excuse me, 22 ranked Wyoming. Graham will never forget the name of that arena. But, yeah, so New Mexico looks like they might sneak away with a win here, a upset win here at home against Wyoming, and that's going to be a detrimental quad four loss for the Cowboys uh, in making that at-large case. So, again, a really tough one for the Cowboys, but we'll see how those all wrap up. And, again, we'll let you know um, what happens as they, uh, as they finish up here. But, Graham, any notes on uh, the early games tonight?
1: Um, not a whole lot to say. I think uh, Oklahoma um, is should be very thankful that they have a really good coach because if they did not, I would kiss their t- tournament hopes goodbye. Um, I think that the last few games, Porter can get his guys together, prepare for the conference tournament, make a splash, or even win it. Um, Michigan stay with a devastating loss. I think the mid-table um, Big Ten teams should start to you know kick it into high gear. Dropped a lot of games recently. Uh, they've been trading games back and forth. I don't think that that supports the Big Ten's case at all coming into um, their Big Ten tournament coming up. Um, I was really hoping that uh, Wake Forest could get together and sneak a win out. I think that the ACC is desperate uh, to you know, get some teams into the conversation for the tournament. Um, They're unable to. Uh, Villanova Providence, you know, Providence came to play. They have multiple very, very disciplined, um, experienced basketball players on their team, but Villanova. Always just seems, right when you think that there's a team or even multiple teams that uh, are here to play in the Big E's, Villanova reminds you that it's the Jay Wright era, yeah. Colin
0: Gillespie era. It runs through Philadelphia. And going from Ryan Arsagiacono straight to Colin Gillespie is still just insane to me. Yeah. Like, they just went from one powerful, powerful guard to another, and it's just it really is unbelievable. I mean, they Villanova's put together a program, obviously, um, there and it's just been really crazy to see uh how consistent they've been over the last few years. But the Big East does still run through Polly Pavilion, just in case you were wondering. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, so that wraps our score updates again. We will keep those up and let you know by the end of the pod the final results of those last couple games uh, that are going on right now. Yeah, New Mexico's up eight now. It looks like they man, they're gonna win. That's gonna be a really bad loss for the Cowboys. But uh, my colleague here, Graham, told me that he did have something he wanted to discuss uh, in between the game recap and uh, some trivia. So, uh, Graham, go ahead and hit me. What you you got for me tonight?
1: Okay, so uh, now that, you know, in college, being around college basketball way more than I've ever been, I've been starting to, you know, pay attention more to the bubble than any other year that I have. And uh, throughout, like, articles and Twitter and Reddit, you know, I always see this team should be in over this team because they have better wins or they shouldn't be in because they have worse losses or whatever it may be. I was interested um, to hear from you uh, talk about as a committee member, and then we could talk about what we think uh, matters the most when you're picking those final at-large teams.
0: So for me, I think at least what you've seen a lot um, you know, from the the committee pretty consistently, I think is mostly Going to be those your big wins and your big losses, um, and we kind of discussed this before the pod. But just you know, wh- where are your statement victories, um, and then where are your detrimental losses? You know, looking at those Q1 and Q4 spots. I think Q2, Q3 matter a little bit less um, than Q1 and Q4. So how you're faring in those sectors, um, and then as well as I think you know, performance away from home is always a big one as well. Um, you know, can you go into a tough environment, and win a game? Um, and on top of that, too, I think, you know, your consistent day-to-day schedule, you know, anything Power 5 conference-wise is obviously going to be favored over any of the smaller conferences. Um, those are probably be my big things. I think strength of schedule is one of the biggest, and we've seen that consistently with Gonzaga. Getting some maybe unfavorable seedings and things like that from the committee just because of the the low strength of schedule they play. But that, that would probably be the main couple things that I would say you see most from the committee. Graham, what, what do you think?
1: Um, I one thing that's always bothered me is take for example this Rutgers team. This Rutgers team has pieced together three, four insane wins yeah. in the past uh, two weeks. And if you just showed me their conference record in the past two weeks, you would you would have to say it's a tournament team. Right. I just always it always bothers me a little bit when. Uh, you know, the committee and fans tend to focus on the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just, while the Lafayette loss in particular is really bad when you lose um, to an inferior team at home, but like when you're playing like these non-conference games against similar opponents or going on the road to these like neutral site games, I just don't think that they hold a lot of weight for me, Yeah. but it always seems to you know, come down to as well, those non-conference schedules are like, oh, it's so important. But it's so early on in the season. Um, like, what do you think about, like, when, you know, committee and fans focus in on these early season games?
0: So, for me, like, I unfortunately, I, I don't think, um, like, obviously I don't think that, that that's a true test of, you know, what the team is now, you know, come March time. But I do think that the committee tries – I don't say they – I think they try and be consistent across the board, right? I think they try and wait games at the beginning of the season nearly nearly the same, very similarly two games towards the end of the season. So I think to them it's seen as, all right, well, you've got to, you know, let's say you're Alabama. you got a loss to Iona on the schedule, but you also got a win against, you know, um, a win against Gonzaga on the schedule. Uh, that's a bad example because they're both early in the season. But let's say um, – Let's take the – let's see, when, when was their last, like, big win? Um, they beat – let's say when they when they beat Baylor, mm. at, you know, at home. So, so, okay, so they beat Baylor at home, and then they lose to, you know, we'll, we'll say Iona early in the season. We'll use that one as a good example. Um, I think they're going to weight those very similarly – in like detriment, positive or negative. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are talking about, it's funny, we are talking about standard deviation today in stats. Kind of the same deal, right? Like, I don't think, I think that Iona loss is as bad of a loss as the Baylor win is good, a, a Baylor win, or, right. or a win at, at home. So, again, I, I just don't think, you know, I don't know. I feel like they weight them very similarly. I don't think that's how it should be. Uh, but unfortunately, I think that's kind of what you see a lot um, with, you know, with the committee and consistently how they how they take care of those teams.
1: Yeah, I I just really hope that there's a lot of focusing in on like the whole entire body of work um, because there are inconsistent teams that I just I I really like to see progression mm. um, more so than um, you know your signature games. Um, is, The only thing that uh, I have exemptions for is, like, if you, like, piece it together right at the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Although, like, the Georgetown team won at all, like, last year, like, that was not a good team. Like, I think that, you know, them Well, And that showed in the tournament. Yeah. Like, I think that if you make a run in the tournament and that's the only thing that you have, I don't think that that should qualify you to, like, have any sort of, of discussion in the tournament when there's teams that are playing consistent basketball or progressing throughout the entire season.
0: Yeah, I can agree with you more. I think it's I think it's should be more, you know, form based almost like you see that that uh, you know, you see that word you just, you know, thrown around a lot across the pond over and over in Europe, especially mm-hmm. in the, you know, terms of of soccer or football as it's, as it's called over there. Um, the you know the thought of form and how they've been playing as of recent things like that I think that's a that should be a, a bigger influence than it is but I agree the whole body of work and the and the look at beginning and the and the, and the end of the season as very similar um, is not all that surprising to me and I think that's pretty typical to what they do. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, well that'll wrap it up for that segment. Um, and yeah, I just think that those are a couple things that we're going to kind of continue to look at. Uh, as the weeks go on here as we are now less than a month away um, from March Madness. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what the committee values this year and if it's similar or if it's any different. Um, and, again, uh, it is always interesting getting, getting the committee on, on TV, on you know, on interviews right after they make their selections and see their reasoning behind some of their selections. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how that goes. But let's roll straight into trivia. Graham, you got a question ready? I do. All right, you want to go first or you want to go second?
1: Uh, I'll go first. All right, hit hey, me. Um So, I think the March Madness, I mean, when you talk about like what's it known for, what comes to mind, it's always like upsets and, you know, Cinderella runs. Um, But one year in 2008, it was the first time that all four one seats made the final four. Mm
0: -hmm. This is a bad question, KU, isn't it? Yeah. Are you asking me what the four teams were? What were the four teams? It's Kansas, North Carolina, Memphis, and UCLA. Wow.
1: <laughs> Come right on, man. Come right on, man.
0: Yeah, no, that, that was – I watched that Kansas 2008 documentary about the national title that year probably 500 times. Ah. Right?
1: That was a good effort. I liked it. I saw the Kansas, and I thought it was going to maybe get you on your toes. It's yeah. like the only thing you focused in on. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so of I,
0: it. I remember a lot about that year. It was obviously the first time all four won seeds. National Player of the Year Tyler Hansborough for North Carolina. Ku came out, and I don't know if you remember this or you've seen this before, but Ku came out. They were playing North Carolina in the Final Four. They were leading that North Carolina team with National Player of the Year Tyler Hansbrough forty to twelve. Yeah. At one point in the first <laughs> half, I mean, they came out and kicked them in the mouth, mm-hmm. um, and it was shocking to everyone. And uh, obviously, of course, North Carolina came back, but still a handle the, a, a like well handled win. for Brandon Kansas.
1: Russian. Mario, Mario Chalmers, baby.
0: God, that team was so good. Um, but yeah, and then obviously the, of course, Mario's miracle and the, in the nine point comeback with two minutes to go against Memphis in the title game and rest is history. Rose. Yes, Rose. that Derek Rose. Oh my gosh, that guy was so good. Um, and of course, knocking out Davidson in the, the Elite Eight there. Sorry about it. Yeah, I got lucky. <laughs> yes. All righty. Um, Let's give you this one. Uh, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Um, I just had it. To... What the heck? Um, let me search real quick. Oops. All right. Sorry about this. Here we go. Okay. All right. Well, this is funny that you said 2008, because my question is about the 2009 Final Four. How old mm-hmm. do you remember that one? Do you remember where that was? San Antonio? No, that was where 2008 was. 2009 was in Detroit. I'll give you that. Which of the teams listed below, I'll listen for you, wasn't featured in the Final Four of the 2009 tournament? Was it A, the Villanova Wildcats? Was it B, North Carolina State University? Was it C, the Michigan State Spartans? Or was it D, the Louisville Cardinals?
1: Okay.
0: Um.
1: Can you give it to me again?
0: Okay. Which of these teams listed below wasn't featured in the Final Four of the 2009 tournament? Was it A, the Villanova Wildcats, B, the North Carolina State Wolfpack, C, the Michigan State Spartans, or D, the Louisville Cardinals?
1: So I think North Carolina won that year, right? Um, I believe that's correct. And that would have been the first UConn team as well. So North Carolina and UConn, pretty confident in. And then I'm in between. Louisville, Villanova. And Michigan's. St- oh no, probably Michigan State. Um like that would have been too early in Villanova's realm of terror. So I'm going to go with Villanova being the outlier of that Final Four.
0: That's incorrect. Unfortunately.
1: North Carolina State? Nope. Wow. Who was, who was, uh, who
0: was in there? The outlier was the, was the University of Louisville Cardinals. Wow. They were oh. not in that 2009 Final Four. But yeah, so that was... Uh,
1: 2009 Final Four. So I was right with UConn and North Carolina. Yep. And wow, Villanova two. made the Final Four that
0: year. Yep, and then
1: Michigan State. 2009, Villanova.
0: I'm sorry, I actually think I read that question wrong. I think that was supposed to be North Carolina. It, it's written here as North Carolina State, but I believe that's supposed to be North Carolina because, obviously, otherwise there would be two answers. Because North yeah. Carolina State did. I know when I read that, I was like, I don't remember the last time North Carolina State made the final four, or if they ever. I don't know, let's see. What North Carolina State. Oh, well, they have, because Valvano, but. Who
1: scored on this Villanova team?
0: Uh, that was Antonio Pena? Yes. Okay. Okay, North Carolina State has three Final Four appearances: 1950, 1974, and 1983. So that was obviously. 1983. Hard. Yep. Jim Valvano, maybe that was there was another question on here about that one, but decided to leave that one. thought that one was too easy. Alrighty. Moving swiftly onward, let's get some picks, shall we? Yes, sir. Um, real quick, a quick update on the evening's matchups. Oh my gosh, Wisconsin's going to win this game. Wow. Johnny, Davis, Johnny going Davis, man. They're up three with six seconds to go. So I guess unless Indiana has the ball, I don't really know what's going on here. But Tennessee's going to uh, get away with the that's win. A Johnny
1: Davis free throw
0: just now. Okay. So yeah, they're up four now. That's probably ball game there. Uh, New Mexico beating Wyoming by nine, 75 66. I bet, the, I bet the pit is absolutely rocking right now. Gosh, Hell it's yeah. going to be so much fun down there in Albuquerque. <laughs> I was yeah, yeah. Anyways, moving swiftly onward. All right, let's get some picks for tomorrow night, shall we?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All righty. A couple interesting games on the schedule. Let's see here. Vanderbilt-Auburn? Is that what you were referring to? No. <laughs> how about, uh, come on, how about Baylor-Texas Tech? I mean, this is going to be a good one, I think. Um, I'm just gonna say, from the perspective of a Kansas fan, you know, if, if Texas Tech can can take care of business, you know, you might as well gift wrap the Big 12 and put it in a box for the Kansas Jayhawks because that would be a two-game advantage for the Hawks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it would take a, a colossal failure uh, to not not wrap that up. But anyways, give it to me, Texas Tech, Baylor, uh, the United Supermarkets Arena in Lubbock, Texas, Texas Tech, Texas Tech favored by two, minus two. What you got, Graham?
1: Okay, so uh, this Baylor team was, you know, one of like the only clear-cut teams to start the season, but kind of had some up-and-down games, most notably getting absolutely manhandled uh, by your Jayhawks on the road. Um, They've really pieced it together. I mean, that big win at home versus Texas, um, prior to that, you know, the Kansas State win uh, on the road, beating them by 15. I really like this uh, Baylor team. I feel like they've kind of found their consistency um, in these kind of like inferior opponents. Um, but losing their, uh, to Alabama and Kansas when it, when it matters most, um, I don't know if I really trust them going into a big game, but I really like the Texas uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders right now. They've just been kind of smooth sailing against some inferior opponents. I think Baylor's going to come into Lubbock and really give it to them. Um, I think this is definitely going to be a win for Baylor in the first half. I think Texas Tech keeps it close and um, kind of pulls away um, with some late-game fouls, you know, back and forth. I have Texas Tech winning by three.
0: I agree with you. I got I got Texas Tech to win this game fairly handily as well. Um, I'll take Texas Tech by five or six. I, I think Texas Tech's got a pretty good handle on this game, I think, uh, United Supermarkets supermarkets arena will be rocking tomorrow night, so that'll be good to see. All righty. Seton Hall just took down our Musketeers last week. They're going on the road to Yukon, going to Stores, Connecticut, not Hartford. They're playing in their other home arena, playing at the Gamble Pavilion <laughs> tomorrow night. Uh, gimme Yukon minus five, what you got, Graham? Been impressed with Yukon um,
1: the past few games. Even during that hectic week where they had a game on Tuesday traveling to Cincinnati on Friday, and then you have a game in 36 hours at noon against St. John's. They still looked on the top of their game um, the next few games. I think Seton Hall is going to be playing with a lot of urgency, um, but due to their style of play, I think that might hurt them. Um,
0: I have UConn winning um, and covering by 7 or 8. I agree with you. Um, I do think Seton Hall has to play with a little bit of urgency. I don't think they're on the bubble necessarily, but... Couple more bad losses and they're on on their way out. But I will agree with you. I think UConn's going to win this game uh, pretty handily. I don't think Seton Hall's got what it takes to go into Gamble and get a big win like that. All righty, and then the final one. Let's let's have a little fun with this one, cause cause why not?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Gonzaga going on the road to Pepperdine. Number one Gonzaga, 21 and two, going on the road to Pepperdine, seven and 20 Pepperdine Waves in the Firestone Fieldhouse. In Malibu. Sweet name, by the way. In lovely Mm. Malibu, California. Gonzaga, minus 29 and a half. What do you think?
1: All right. Um, You know, with a a big win against Pacific, defending home court, uh, getting their first conference win, Pepperdine's, uh, you know, lost their next two, San Francisco and BYU. um, Both quality losses. Pretty substantial margin. Um, I think that uh, the time is now. You know, if they want to start piecing it together for uh, Pepperdine Waves, right? Um,
0: One and eleven in the conference.
1: I think that they'll channel a little bit of their men's volleyball program tonight, okay, um, or tomorrow night, and I think that you know they'll start out hot. But I have uh, Gonzaga winning by uh, thirty-five.
0: All righty, all righty. Sounds good. So you're gonna take Gonzaga to win and cover. Um, I mean, because this has no stakes, and why not? Obviously, I think Gonzaga's going to win this game. I'll take Pepperdine on the line. Sure. I Less than less than 29.5. Give it to me. Give me a 20-point Pepperdine loss. Instead, Big waves tonight. Big waves guy, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, I know we usually do three, um, and there isn't a line posted on where I'm looking. But Are you looking if-
0: at Illinois Rutgers? Yeah. Yeah, I can't find one either. I was going to do that game, obviously. Wait, just give me a straight-up pick. What do you think?
1: I think um, that Rutgers has played out of their mind lately. And I think that, um, you know, this is where it kind of like this cool-down starts hot,
0: or where, you, you know, Rutgers... You really start to book it down the stretch, yeah. yeah. Um, you really start
1: turning downhill here. Yeah, so I love to pick Rutgers again, but looking at the conference schedule, I think Illinois is only a game ahead of Purdue and Wisconsin, and this is a very tough team that I don't ever want to bet against. I think Illinois goes in um, and, you know... Kind of, you know, humbles Rutgers. I see a big win for the Illini.
0: Gosh, you would you stop taking my predictions? I was gonna say the same thing. I, I think Rutgers. You gotta give one back eventually here. You know, it's like mm-hmm. this is like it's like in golf where you make three birdies in a row, right? You gotta gotta have a double bogey in there, right, yeah. to reset you. So um, I do think I do think Illinois won this game pretty solidly. I think I think the Fighting Illini. This team is really good. Kofi Coburn, uh, Andre Corbello is awesome. I love that Afro and 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 his game. So he's sh- he's shifty. Love it. All right, let's wrap it up with the Musketeer man. Graham, what you got from the last week, starting with last Wednesday? Uh,
1: this is a Seton Hall game, correct? Correct. I was so thoroughly disappointed with my Musketeers going into Seton yeah. Hall. Um, I just think that we never had control of the game, and then we were putting it on to Seton Hall and the refs. I think that there was a few missed calls and a few uh, controversial things going on, but at the end of the day, we would have never been in that position if we were Xavier, um, and we just weren't. I thought that we were way too inconsistent. Um, I think at times that it just seems like Paul and Nangie are the only ones that want to score. I thought, you know, Cesar provided some good minutes, and, you know, we had some good sparks here and there, but it just wasn't enough. Um, but I feel like we needed that loss. I felt like you know, when you we've had some losses where, you know, we felt like we did everything and it didn't matter. That game, it felt like oh, we lost. Like, we definitely just did not play well. And coming into that UConn game, I have not seen that fire in a team in a while. Um, But I'll let you talk about the Seton Hall game before we jump in. But I was thoroughly disappointed, but it felt like that loss was a huge slap in the face and, like, some water in the morning on the the forehead.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think think that, like, I don't know, that was the – I mean it was it was gut-wrenching the way that we lost it but we never deserved that game like by any means. We were never close, never close enough to to really, you know, make it feel like we deserved that win. Um and I just think that's the that's the test of conference play, right? Cuz like that's exactly what happened in in Chicago against the Paul. We didn't mm-hmm. deserve to win that game, but we got away because you know, the Pauls was still kind of figuring out their cohesion and and getting into a rhythm. So I, you know, it's one of those games where I think yes, it's frustrating, but it's not the end of the world. And I agree, it it really lit a fire, you know, rolling into, into Friday, and we can talk about that. But I mean, the Centa Center, I am telling you right now, Graham. I don't know if you remember the specific play, but it was on it was on the student section end, um, and so it was in the first half, obviously, because we we're scoring down there. And there was some kind of scramble play, like three guys hit the deck, lots of diving on the floor, balls kind of getting you know knocked around. Then uh, Scruggs finally secured it, drove the lane, and then kicked it to Nungie for a three, and that was the loudest I have heard that arena since the Ohio State game. The guy, I am not kidding you. Mm-hmm. I that's when I was like, like it genuinely took my breath away. I was like, oh my goodness, it is really loud, and that was a huge shot, and that was almost like the momentum that that team needed to really flip it, um, and just and just sh- and just. Th- really shove it down their throats down the stretch um i never saw that game get close down the end and uh it just a much 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 needed win uh for the musketeers last uh Mm -hmm. last Saturday. yeah we were talking
1: about that being a must win um and i thought we really just came to play and while paul like had a really good game like it wasn't like all him
0: all him yeah.
1: like he's definitely just like an initiator got the guys going Dewan was very good per usual yes um even though nate only hit two threes it those were so loud especially the one to close out the half um i thought that he needed it i um, kind of upset you know that he went down with injury um but i'm hoping to see him back on the court soon because we really need his sparks i feel like this team really runs Uh, Not runs, but we're dependent on his success a lot. Um, No Kunkel, but hopefully he comes back soon. Uh, We really just need one of them, at the very least, to just have a good game if we really want to have success towards the end of the season. Um, But I was impressed with that team. I mean, I still think that we didn't play that great of a game, but we just looked so good. We looked like a top 15 team at stretches during the game which is, I think, is our potential. I really, I wholeheartedly believe that, you know, when Nunji's being that beast down low, when Zach's getting the ball in the hoop, when Nate and Kunkel are doing their jobs and Colby and Dewan are giving you, like, some of the best glue guy players in the nation and Paul's just being what he's been for four years. Like, I really just, I think we have all the pieces there to be a really solid tournament team that we only see for stretches at a time and I think that they're starting to realize that, you know, you can't have um, these, you know, these stretches where you're just not who you're supposed to be. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's, that's one of the big things is, is just really finding those performances where, where we can put all the pieces together. I think that's a really big thing um, for this team. And I, I, I think they can do it. Um, but some really important games coming up here down the stretch, Um, St. John's tomorrow night uh, that'll be an interesting one I think um, I'm concerned because I think while Julian Champagne hasn't had the year that he was maybe expected to, I still think he's going to be a really tough guard for our guys Um, but I do think it's obviously a very winnable game especially at home. On the road on Saturday at UConn, don't know which home court they'll be playing at (laughs) uh, but one of the two, uh, either an empty hockey arena or a weird dome pavilion looking thing Um, so we'll have to see on that one um, and then next week, obviously, uh, the big road game at the dunk against Providence before Saturday game against Seton Hall. So quite a few big games left, um, and that's and that's not all of them. But, again, those are just the big ones. Um, still no word. I would like to also mention still no word on a reschedule against Georgetown. Um, on the road, I think they're just going to end up scrapping that game at this point. There's nothing official, but it looks mm-hmm. like it's not going to fit into the schedule. So we'll see what they do with that. I just
1: feel like that's a game that doesn't really hurt our schedule. Um, no, I think like, I honestly it really think it could do. Prove it. No, like,
0: I honestly think it could do nothing but hurt it. Yeah. Like, cause if we go there and struggle or lose that game, obviously that's killer. If we go and win it, it's like, all right, well, you did what you were expected to. So I right. think you know, for our team specifically and for our unique situation, I think losing that game is not the end of the world. Um, just thought it was worth noting. Alrighty, well that'll wrap us up here uh, tonight on Tuesday, February fifteenth for the Norwood Noise Podcast. This is episode fifteen on the fifteenth. Um, thank you all for tuning in, and again we'll be back again next week, of course. And uh, we actually just started discussing tonight. Uh, you guys, stay tuned. We're gonna have some big stuff coming for the tournament here. Um, lots of pods, extra episodes, bracket previews, all that good stuff. Can't wait to get after it. That's my favorite, you know, week or so of the year. So. Can't wait to get after it with my boy Graham here and uh, hoping, for two, uh, hoping to come back to you next Tuesday discussing two Musketeer wins. So I'll let you take us out here.
1: All right. Well, everyone, just keep stu- tuning in. There's a lot of uh, huge games coming up for all around the nation. As you know, the bubble starts to get a little bit closer and a little bit more, uh, um, what's the word, you know, Willing to pop, yeah, I Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it's getting thinner and thinner as these teams kind of, you know, start to cement their uh, resumes. I think that your Xavier Musketeers are starting to piece it together, but, you know, it doesn't take one, two games, you know, it takes the whole rest of the season. So, keep showing out, keep supporting our guys, we have a tough stretch coming up, but I wholeheartedly believe that um, if there's a team to do it, that it's right here, so. Absolutely.
0: All right. thanks so much again for tuning in, guys, and uh, we'll catch y'all next week. Cheers.